I promise this is not a vampire podcast. I'm serious. What's going on, everybody? It's Flobo Boys, of course. And this is Flobo Sword on Netflix. You know, the show we go deep into the archives of the Netflix library to check out some of the original TV shows and series. And also, if you are a fan of comedy specials, once a month I do go and check out a comedy special on the platform and I go through it, I break it down as a comedian, but that's only available on Patreon. So you gotta be a member of the Patreon. We call it the Boisterous Crew over at patreon.com slash Boys to unlock bonus episodes of this podcast. If you're watching me right now, you're probably doing it on YouTube. If you're listening to the sound of my voice, you're probably are listening on any of your favorite podcast devices. For a lot of people, this is the only show that goes around internationally. So I respect and thank every single one of you for checking out the show and even contributing uh, with some of the show ideas. You guys can hit me up on that Twitter at Boys for recommendations of shows and movies you want me to cover, which brings us today. Now, if you are a long-term fan of this show, you'll know I've covered Vampires in the Bronx. Uh, I was going to say Vampire Brooklyn, that's a different movie altogether. And I did uh, that last month's movie uh, featuring uh, Jamie Foxx, but this one here is another one in that subgenre about vampires in modern times. This one's called Night Teeth. I want to go into it uh, just a little bit. Gotta say, spoilers, so if you haven't seen the movie, uh, turn this off and watch that and come back. Uh, a lot of times people were kind of unsure if we we're pre non-spoiler or full spoilers, but we gotta do full spoilers because I'm more of a general impressions kind of guy. Ratings up top, uh, IMDB has a 5.6 out of 10 and Rotten Tomatoes gives this one 38%, which is kind of a flip to what we're used to. Typically Rotten Tomatoes tends to be a lot more um, of a less stringent rating system than IMDb, so like using them both, but this time IMDb is saying a 5.6 with a rod to this being 38%. So imagine this modern times vampires are all over the city of Los Angeles. And we were talking about this uh, last episode about rules and world building. And I really feel it, I will keep saying it until I'm blue in the face. The movie John Wick really put that to task for modern filmmaking. How do you build a world? How do you put things going on in the background? How much subtlety can you do to set yourself up for sequels or franchises? And this one operates with some of the rules we know from vampires. And that's some, that's kind of a thing that you have to use table stakes when you're trying to make a vampire uh, move your property. Which rules do you adapt? Which rules do you disregard? For example, uh, compared to other films, familiars aren't as prominent in this one. But the idea of vampires cannot be out in the sun is kind of a, a major storytelling point. Compare that to, say, Twilight, where you can sparkle in the sun. But it's still pretty cool. This one here takes place in Los Angeles, and it takes place overnight, which does two things. One, gives us a really sexy, dangerous look at the City of Angels. Uh, for a lot of us who don't live in a, a Los Angeles area, uh, I guess myself excluded, because I've been here for a long time, uh, it is a very sexy town. Uh, so to be able to see the wet downs of the wet streets, and the neon signs in Hollywood and some of the rolling hills inside Boyle Heights in East LA. Pretty cool to see. It is a different side of the sunshine uh, area we're so used to. And also in a uh, post-pandemic world, it's very cheap. Don't need a bunch of extras uh, and everything seems a bit heightened. So you'll notice uh, there is a little bit of visual effects in there, but not too much becomes overbearing. Uh, there is a couple scenes with crowds, but most times it's pretty much a ghost town Los Angeles is. Even to the point where like as someone who does live in the area, I go, 
there would be a little bit more extras on the road. But if you're, if you're not really thinking about that kind of thing specifically, that's a good way to get the story across. Imagine a world where there is a gang war happening of the supernatural. And of course, innocents get themselves involved in here. And it really comes down to the strength of the performance of uh, Jorge Lindenborg Jr., who plays Benny who just needs some extra cash and takes up uh, his brother's role uh, as a chauffeur driver, or I guess his cover of a chauffeur driver, just to get some cash from these VIPs. It turns out the VIPs are vampires themselves on a killing mission to tip the scales of balance of power in that city. Now, I'll be honest with you, um, and I feel like coming with old age, that even though this is an hour and 48 minutes, this could have been shaved about 10 minutes of the movie. I, I, I get it. I mean, not every film is going to be an hour and a half, and now we get uh, used to longer content. But I think had it been a 90-minute film, or even a 100-minute film, this one's more like 110 minutes, if even a 100-minute film, it would have been the perfect thing to put on uh, during the day. Or if you wanted to say if you were going to have like a double or triple feature date night, which is pretty cool, especially now that we're rolling into Halloween, it kind of slots in there because it's not overtly scary. It isn't um, overtly gory. There is some blood in there, but it's enough to wet the palate. I would actually put that in like either the, the early movie, if you were playing it at a party, making sure people are coming over and getting ready for a good time, or towards the end where everyone's kind of like, you know, you know, petering out. It's not really a classic film. Film. Um, a lot of the acting is over the top. Uh, if you watch CW shows like The Originals or Vampire Diaries, it's pretty much on par with that. If you're looking for high-class cinema, this is not it. And some things don't work. Uh, some of the, the morally ambiguous characters had to basically fall into a camp towards the end to make the plot work. The love story is kind of tacked on, but definitely necessary. Uh, I guess just because it was planted uh, strategically in the script, although I didn't quite buy it. I'm not sure if that's a chemistry issue or a timing issue necessarily in this case. But even though um, I was not a fan of Debbie Ryan specifically, I was a fan of the Disney Channel era, which Debbie Ryan came up in. It was kind of cool to see her in a different kind of role. All in all, I thought it was easy, breezy, beautiful cover girl. Uh, I'm looking at these ratings. I'm kind of shocked that Rotten Tomatoes was so harsh on this, especially compared to how much garbage is actually on that platform in Netflix today. I'm going to go around with IMDb on this one, giving it a solid five. It really is a cool, uh, nice, slick, visually interesting look at Los Angeles. The vampire stuff is nothing groundbreaking. You've probably seen other versions of it, but you know, you want something new, something that's, that will pop on your 4K screen if you have it. If you have that package, uh, Night Teeth is the way to go. And I like most more modern movies. There's a, it's written in a way towards the end. If the whole world's clamoring for it, there'll probably be a part two, a part three, or an animated series down the pipe. Check it out if you have some time, especially now as we're rolling to Halloween here in the United States. When, and I got to say thank you so much for reaching out to me and asking me to review this film. Uh, if you guys have any ideas of anything you want me to check on on Global Star Netflix, please let me know. I'm available at Global Voice on that Twitter and at Blopito on Instagram. I swear to you, this is not a vampire review show. Got to reiterate that one more time for the road. Thank you so much. And we'll be back next time with a brand new episode of, you know, Global Star Netflix. Netflix.